0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get back into it. Here we go. It's Wednesday. That means the middle of the week. We have a roundtable discussion with, uh, well, two of the three regulars joining us in studio. Our good friend, John turley Ewart. Risk management consultant specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. John, good to see you again. Thanks so much. Pre- appreciate you coming in. Catherine Swift, the former president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business and current spokesperson for Working Canadians. How Swifty.
1: Swifties, pretty swift tonight. <laughs> well, I'm going to need you, <laughs> and you to And you think be... I haven't heard bad jokes about that for my entire life? <laughs> oh, well, okay.
0: Uh, I'm glad I didn't bite on it then. So uh, at least I've got you both positioned in the right place and uh, at the right time, too, because uh, I know you have a background in economics, a master's, and uh, John, you've got a PhD in the history of finance and uh, so on and so forth, because you've got to help me here. Doug Ford is being pilloried, and economists have been solicited for their input when uh, Doug at the economics. Club. Uh, Were you at that speech, by the way, on
1: Monday? I wasn't at it, no. I'd certainly heard about it extensively, however.
0: (laughs) Buddy talked about uh, a carbon tax imposed by the feds. Uh, Justin's tax uh, would be disastrous and cause a recession. First off, Catherine, how did you feel about that? Because the economists are saying, no way, no how. I mean, in a $2.2 trillion economy, okay, so we'd be shortchanged by $3 billion if they don't impose that tax. It's a drop in the bucket. It would have no effect. uh, It would be negligible.
1: Well, I don't think it's going to be negligible. And, of course, there's no one, the whole thing about economic, you know, modeling and and prediction and so on, is that no, no one factor ever sways the whole thing, but something could be a tipping point. And uh, right now, we see through tons of data coming from all you know, all different sources that Canadians are very stretched financially. Their you know bankruptcies are up. Uh, they don't feel they could last two weeks was one of the latest stories I saw. Uh, the savings aren't there, and so on and so forth. Uh, so, ever increasing taxes. Uh, you know, there is a point, and we have we see increasing interest rates too, which naturally bite harder when people are indebted. Um, there, th- that could tip. That could tip the balance. So, saying it's causing a recession, no, I, I can't agree with that. But to think that it might not be a tipping point, I don't. I think there's an argument to be made there. All right,
0: or a slippery slope. I mean, once you introduce a tax, you're not going to rescind it, or it's not going to be capped. I always, uh, or I have likened it to the temporary measure of an income tax in 1917. <laughs> As a historian, you know how that worked out, John.
2: Well, I, I, we had a lot of debt back then, and we needed to uh, repay that uh, that debt, but. I would also point out that the the gentleman who usually sits in this uh, chair where I am now, Ernie Eves, he cut taxes, uh, as he always reminds us.
0: 233 times. Exactly. (laughs) So, uh,
2: you know, sitting here, I feel like, you know, cutting taxes, red tape, and Gardner from the Leafs. He's cut, cut, (laughs) cut, right? Uh, But uh, back to what uh, Doug Ford was saying. uh, And I mean, Doug Ford is messaging here, and he's campaigning against Trudeau. There's no question about it. And if you ask an economist, uh, you know, about what Doug Ford said, and I think they ask co- academic economists as well. I mean, they sit there and parse numbers every day. They know, you know, this is not going to fly from an economic theory point of view. However, from a business point of view, let's put this in context. If we get a carbon tax that comes in play. In Ontario that is put on business and those businesses can look south of the border where we've had tax reform where there's no carbon tax and you think about what's the chance of doing business cheaper in the U.S. with this whole pile of taxes and all the regulation laws in Ontario that could be a reason one more reason to think about relocating your plant in New York State or somewhere up in the eastern part of the United States. All
1: right. And the other issue, too, I think, and I think, I think Ford did allude to this, um, was that whatever tax we're going to see in April Fool's Day this year, which is a very apt time, of course, to put a new tax in, um, it, this could go up quite regularly in future. We don't know that. There's been a lot of baffle gab around it, sure. but there's talk. There's talk about it going up very significantly. So you know, if you're if you're looking at the ultimate impact of a tax that could be double or triple or more, what is supposedly going in place this year, then that's going to have more of an impact naturally. So you know, you have to look at the the full impact or the full potential impact too. Well,
2: because if
0: you've got twenty dollars per ton of emissions this year, and then it goes up escalating uh, to fifty dollars by 2022, and you had that report from the UN IPCC uh, last month that uh, even that isn't going to do it. We're going to need to be north of $150 per ton, maybe $200 per ton. So there's no end. Once you introduce it, it's like I say, the income tax. Once that was introduced, there was no turning back. And now at the upper end, it's a 54 percent combined province and federally. So this is just going to seem like a confiscatory tax. It's going to weigh down like a millstone around manufacturing and other such in the province.
2: Well, this is why I would argue Doug Ford and, and the federal conservatives are, are banging the drum on this, uh, because people understand that the. Uh, it's going to be a tax that's going to cost them more money uh, to do business in this country and consumers more money now but the, the most important part of all of this though is it doesn't take us where we want to go and that is if you want to try and do something on on you know carbon and reducing global warming, this isn't getting us there that's it's all smoke and mirrors it's all virtue signaling and the question you have to ask as a, as an ontarian and a Canadian is how much do I want to pay so that Justin Trudeau can hang out with his buddies in Davos and actually pretend like he's doing something. And and the question is, we don't want to pay that kind of price. If you want to fix a global warming, there has to be a global international agreement. We don't have that. And th- this is you have to come back again and again and again and say to people, what is this going to do to impact global warming? Around the world, zero, nothing, and most importantly, remember what this tax is supposed to do: shift you away from carbon-producing, uh, like cars and that sort of thing. Do you know how much? Do you know how much you would have to tax us to get us out of that? Like it is, it is absolutely crazy. And no government in Canada, uh, even the Liberals, would ever tax us to that amount because they want to stay in power. That's why they're playing this little this footsie game with the virtue signaling.
1: And there's also some really there was quite a decent op-ed piece by Brad Wall, former pr- premier of Saskatchewan in the last week, talking about all of the non-tax ways. There's a lot of technological developments. There's a lot of areas you can put serious investments into. And and, and it's being done now. It's not like n- nothing's happening now. A lot's happening. Brad Wall was using examples they did in Saskatchewan to clean up existing energy uses. Why are we not encouraging and this get, sort of gets well, to John's point about other countries. Control.
0: Emission controls and things like exactly. that. Exactly.
1: And also though, we, we've got countries like we know China, notorious biggest polluter in the world, building Coal plants to beat the band, and yet if we could find a way to facilitate some of our uh, liquid natural gas exports, for example, um, and to China, that would be a much more a much less polluting form of energy. I mean, there's a whole bunch of options here. This fixation on a tax uh, that the liberals have in this country. It, which it hasn't hasn't borne fruit elsewhere other jurisdictions around the world and many have reversed the decision because it could cause so much pain it, it definitely wasn't worth it you know it hurt average people a great deal I, I don't get this fixation it's like they're stuck on it and they and they just don't feel they can back down one iota even though the evidence piles up that it's a dumb thing to do and bad time to do it too because we're our economy is not robust right now the signs are it's slowing and there's even you know we're even seeing the r word being mentioned here and there right
0: and so it could tip things in that direction uh, even more uh, severely. But Doug Ford also said on Monday, and uh, I want to contrast two things actually, when he said you can have manufacturing or you can have a carbon tax, but you can't have both. He said that. Then Catherine McKenna though had said, if you don't have a plan to fight climate change, you don't have a plan to grow the economy. That's a direct quote as well. So let's pick up the Doug Ford thing first, John. Is he right? You You can have manufacturing or a carbon tax, but you can't have both.
2: Well, I, I would argue that you, you can have both, but the fact is is that it's one of many factors that impact the competitiveness of, of the jurisdiction. And with our tax base the way it is right now, it just makes it less competitive. And in terms of what uh, you know McKenna is saying, how many windmills are we building in Ontario now? Zero. Right? You can go back to that green energy policy that, that uh, Dalton McGinty put in place and Catherine Wynne supported that was supposed to create all these thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs. 600,000, was that Absolute, the number? Absolute, utter nonsense. And remember, too... The industrial base in this province uh, has been cut in half since the Liberals, the provincial Liberals, took took power. So you know I don't blame Doug Ford for for saying that because what has happened in over the you know the past 15 years of Liberal power is we've seen the industrial base cut in half. We've seen energy costs go through the roof, and and frankly, uh, we need more manufacturing jobs. We we've already gone down this route. We've already tried it. It didn't work, and that's why I think Ford is pri- is presenting it in that kind of language.
0: Let me ask Catherine, though. uh, I'm curious. The Catherine McKenna quote, uh, again, it's a direct one. If you don't have a plan to fight climate change, you don't have a plan to grow the economy. Like she's conflating the two. Climate change grows the economy. Fighting climate change grows the economy. Is she right or wrong?
1: No, there's been absolutely zero evidence of that. Quite the contrary. And there's an awful lot of people that regularly track how much our alternative energy-generating sources uh, are contributing to the grid, to our usage, it's usually in the neighbourhood of 1% to 5%, if that. <laughs> in other words, and we've had a, quite a cold snap in this country late uh, in the last little while, you might have noticed, uh, and uh, if we were dependent on those forms of energy, well, we would all be frozen uh, in the dark by now. So her, her vapid statements uh, that are repeated endlessly, whenever that minister is asked to get into any... Uh, depth in terms of explaining it. She gets right into the quagmire and, and, and is not at all convincing. So, I mean, I think she has her talking points and she's certainly sticking to them. Uh, but no, the evidence does not bear that out at all. And again, alluding to what John was saying, you, you can have manufacturing. It just will be so uncompetitive. It, it won't be around for very long. And we've seen the erosion already in Ontario of our ma- a lot of our manufacturing base.
0: Again, our roundtable with Catherine Swift and John Turley-Ewart, you know, we're we're focusing on uh, some of of the initiatives from the provincial government of Doug Ford, it's interesting because it was only earlier today uh, that they kind of uh, reversed their course on this Bill 66 uh, that could have opened the green belt to development. Uh, it's called the Restoring Ontario's Competitiveness Act. And uh, in a way, what it does is it gives autonomy to municipalities to decide how they want to use their land and so if you've got a place like stoville or schaumburg uh... rather than having to be dictated to by the provincial government because we saw that with the wind turbines when smitherman was in charge of uh... the environment and energy he said uh... we don't care what you folks at the local level care we're gonna just you're going ahead with these things and uh... the local communities were up in arms and aghast and it was done by fiat or decree from the province. Doug reversed that. So uh, now I'm kind of curious why they would reverse and back away from this, John, uh, when it seems like it was the right thing to do after all.
2: So my guess is they took a page from the Realpolitik of the Liberal Party in Ontario and that is, as you know, that the Liberal Party did various transactions where they opened up bits and pieces of the Green Belt, but they had control over that. And this is a highly political issue. I don't have any problem with the municipalities having control, but I'm guessing somewhere in the premier's office, someone said, you know what? Do we really want Schaumburg deciding our future on the Green Belt in the next election? Probably not. Let us have control over that kind of decision because it could have a major impact on our electability next go around.
1: And it's a third rail kind of issue, obviously the the green belt in general, and it, it's unfortunate because I, I I think there could be some sensible development while still maintaining the vast majority of the green belt and, and all the good environmental stuff associated with it. Um, I think too, that it probably wasn't the hill they decided to die on. There, there are a lot of controversial issues. A lot of balls they are trying to keep in the air right now. And maybe this was one they just said, you know what, let's, you know, let's leave this alone. We're getting a ton of blowback on it. Uh, it you know, it's not worth, it's not worth uh, the cost.
0: Well, and then when you look at the numbers and the writings that they represent, represent, represent the conservatives were strong in the rural areas and if you've got rural folk uh, who you know are farmers agribusiness and so on and so forth and they're concerned about maybe uh, there being incursions or rezoning of their lands and so on so to your point it's a third rail or there was nothing much to be gained by doing it and what you say John is this way at least they can control uh, not only results but the narrative and so on and so forth and swapping out land. The Liberals did that. Yes. They were notorious for doing
2: that. Right, exactly. So that, I, I'm guessing they took a page from them and said, this is the one way to manage uh, this this situation.
0: All right, because uh, I know the opposition is crowing about this reversal, like somehow it's a betrayal of sorts, but... Uh in real politic terms, it seems like it's a, it's a prudent one. We'll come back. Let's continue on. There's a whole lot more I wanted to address. Again, with John Turley-Ewart and Catherine Swift, it's our roundtable. Ernie Eaves is away this week. Uh, he shall join us again, I'm guessing, in the forthcoming weeks. But we'll come back with more to talk about in a moment on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.